Welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett, and I'm your host. Nina May is the creator of Wonder Dog Magazine, a new publication for underdogs and wonder dogs with original content about rescue dogs, nonprofit charities, and shelters. Nina's experience with her two dogs, Pippa and now Goldie, has also helped her through struggles with mental health and finding her path towards fulfillment in life. She currently lives in London after originally being from Germany. Nina, welcome to Dog Save the People. So anyway, welcome, and I'm so happy to have you here. You have such a fascinating, beautiful story, and also a magazine. Indeed, Wonder Dog magazine just came out. You brought a copy of the first issue, and again, we'll talk about it, but it's so beautiful. Congratulations. That's an enormous accomplishment. Thank you so much. To have something in hand. Not just online, but something that's actually printed that is tactile that you can look at. And there's still nothing like a magazine, like a real magazine. So, Nina, let's begin. I really just, again, I'd really love for you to tell your story. And let's begin back in 2004, 2005. And you were working with Bloomberg News. That's correct. So, I had uh, started at Bloomberg in 2000. I moved to London from Germany in 98 to study there. I went to fashion college, the London College of Fashion. I studied fashion promotion. And of course, you know, fashion, finance, pretty much the same thing. So (laughs) I ended up at Bloomberg working initially for their German channel as a presenter and producer. And then from there on, they sort of realized I had a fashion degree. So they started giving me fashion coverage to do. And then it snowballed from there. And I started doing my own shows, which was quite unusual within the Bloomberg setup. So I produced basically 100 shows in one year. And Surprisingly, I had a complete breakdown at the end of that year because I was done. I was absolutely done. And I basically cried for six weeks on end and promised to myself that I would never, ever sign a permanent contract again. So I've been freelance since 2005. Wow. Good for you. And that is true. I mean, I think that it's not for everybody and um, it can really take its toll. I know that for me working in fashion too, at certain points, I was just like, I can't do this anymore because I loved the actual creativity of it but so much of the other stuff was just it was it was detrimental so yeah so this was 2005 2006 and that led you to basically staying home more and finding your way to fostering a dog. I grew up with a Dachshund and I really wanted to have a dog again. And I think, you know, the official freelancer has a dog, right? Yes, I mean, absolutely. why else do we work from home? Yeah. So I was fostering because I wasn't really sure. I wanted a Westie, a West Highland Terrier. I love Westies. They are so sweet. And then I had one actually to foster and he was a handful. He was, <laughs> I'm so glad actually he ended up not staying with me. Uh, but he got adopted by amazing people. They could have adopted me. They were fantastic. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then the next foster dog that came along in October 2006 was Pippa, my completely not Westie-alike dog. She yes. was a little ginger fox look-alike. She was a collie cross. But within a week, she kind of, she kept on looking at me from the distance and she was clearly sussing me out. And it wasn't love at first sight, but it, it was very deep. And she was officially still up for adoption. But whenever the 
lady from the charity called Carol, whenever she called, you know, when you see the number kind of the name come up on your phone, oh God, my heart was just sinking. I was like, no, 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 no. Nobody's allowed to be interested in Pippa. Right. She's my dog. Right. And there was actually one couple that was interested in Pippa. And we went together to meet them. And they afterwards called the charity and said, we believe Pippa should stay with Nina. So that was very sweet. They obviously saw our bond and then mm. I agreed to officially adopt her before Christmas that year. And mm -hmm. I still remember I was in the supermarket. I was buying, I think, mince meat or something for her. And Carol called again and said, look, she's not going to be adopted before Christmas. What do you say? Why don't you keep her? And I said, okay then. And I came home and I gave Pippa this biggest hug. I said, you're mine forever. And she obviously just looked at me because she had no idea what just happened and just sort of <laughs> went through the bags and just wanted her mince meat and her steaks. Like... I don't do it. So she was, um, she was never particularly soppy or emotional. Yes. And I think Camden has a reputation, you know, it used to be sort of very Britpop, uh, yes. Blur, the band is kind of, um, their guitarist Graham Coxon lives up there. And I always had this vision that Pippa would sort of stand behind the bike shed and listen to, you know, cool guitar music and smoke a bit with, you know, with the cool kids from the band and stuff. I don't really know if Pippa ever did that, but I sort of had this vision. I love that, yeah. She was definitely a bit of a badass, if I can use that word. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> And she, um, she wasn't soppy, but she was always there for me. And mm -hmm. the extraordinary thing about her, and this is why I call her the dog who saved my life, is mm -hmm. I was in my early 30s. I had to find a new pace in life because I came from the city environment to a home environment. I wasn't that interested anymore in going out. Inevitably, my friendship circle changed quite a lot from city to, you know, a more creative freelance life. And there was this dog who really showed me this different pace is possible. We ended up going to this beautiful park in North London called Hampstead Heath every Sunday. Yes. We had oh, our I know that. That's beautiful yeah. there. Yeah. So we had our standing date, come oh. rain or shine, every Sunday we would go. And it just really gave me a new direction and a new pace. And I embraced that pace. And she was always there. She wasn't the soppy dog, but she was always there. And she always made sure we stuck to this pace. And, and I met so many people through her as well. It's ridiculous. That's one of the magical things I think about having a dog, whether you live in the city or the country or the suburbs, when you're with your dog, everybody typically wants to talk to you because they want to talk to the dog. And I have so many of my friends in my neighborhood are either dog people or people that know my dogs. Exactly. Yes. And I had my, when I had my 40th birthday, I had uh, 40 people there. And when I looked at the room, it was so lovely. We had a big lunch. 60% of these people I met through the dog. <laughs> <laughs> So I was like, Pippa, thank yes, you for this. Yes, <laughs> I know. And that's something that I love to tell people who don't have dogs necessarily. Like, if you live by yourself or something, like, get a dog. It really, it changes everything. It changes your perspective on your life and your home, but it also changes everything when you go outside. Exactly, yeah. So... So Pippa lived, uh, she passed away in 2017. That's correct. And how long was it until you adopted your next It was about five months. Dog? So I was, actually I came to the US for a few weeks mm -hmm. to see my aunt. I went to Iceland on a riding trip. Iceland mm -hmm. is my favorite country. I've never been, I need to go. You do need to yes. go. It's also, it's not immediately doggy, but the sheep dogs you meet out in the farm, they are second to uh -huh. none, they're amazing. Nice. But then after Christmas, I started looking for a new dog. And that's when I realized how hard it is actually for people to adopt dogs, how rigid the criteria yes. are. And I mean, I hate to brag, but I'm a freelance dog journalist, essentially. Any dog would be so lucky to live with me. I hate to brag. And you, but live I, and you work from home? I work from home. I have a flat. I'm near my own flat. I have lots of parks in the neighborhood. It's a very green neighborhood. I mean, any dog should just 
you know, be given to me, quite frankly. And I was shocked and, and saddened by the poor responses from the dog charities. I contacted I more than half a do- more than a dozen charities. And I said, I'll foster, I'll adopt, I'll do whatever you want, but I need to get back into this. And out of, I think, 12 or 13 charities I contacted, two emailed back. And I have been here, actually, a friend of mine I just ran into yesterday, he lost his dog and he was looking to adopt a dog. And he said that eventually he ended up not being able to adopt because the criteria was so difficult. They wanted him to own his own home, etc. And one way I understand it, because they want to make sure that the dog is going to be in a good home, etc. But at the same time, it should not be this hard, especially when there are so many animals that need homes. So. So, but eventually you met Goldie. Yes, indeed. So there, Tell one, me about Goldie. One of the charities that came back to me was a charity called Romanian Rescue Appeal. The way it works is you pay their bus fare over from Romania. Yeah. So it's 160 pounds for the happy bus. They're rather optimistically called happy <laughs> bus. And I said, I want to foster with the intent to adopt. Yes. And so I paid for Goldie's happy bus ticket. And then she arrived on the 11th of March. Turned out it was Mother's Day that year in the UK. Our Mother's Day is slightly different. And uh, the handover in itself was a kind of chaotic. But eventually this lovely Romanian van with this, with this lovely, really nice two drivers turned up. The guy with his big smile and a lot of pet passports in his hand. He handed her over like a football. I grabbed her and she put her chin onto my shoulder and that was it. Wow. <laughs> I oh. was the fastest foster failure, I think, oh, in the history of fostering. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, yeah, she, she is wonderful. And, and what she, is she like? She is very different to Pippa. She is, in terms of affection, more like a cat, but she does cuddle as well. So in the first few weeks, she always slept right next to my head. Mm. Uh, she's very fluffy, and Pippa was never particularly interested in other dogs. But I've made Goldie actually the social editor of Wunderdog magazine because she's the most social <laughs> dog you will ever meet. She runs up to other dogs and lies on her back straight right. away. She's intuitively submissive, yes. but it also means that she never has fights. And she just makes every other dog feel at home. And yeah, she's just a little, a little sunshine. Good for you. And so you've had her now for... One and a half years, roughly. Okay. So she came in March 2018 okay. yeah, when she was about one year old. Great. And how has that been compared to your life with Pippa? Like, Well, Goldie is in general easier going, but because she was only a year old when I got her, I really thought that she needed so much exercise. Mm-hmm. I've never had such a young dog before. Uh-huh. And the first few weeks I would walk her far too much as it turned out. You shouldn't actually walk a young dog so much. But I was like, oh my God, she's got so much energy. Yes. I was out with her three, four hours a day. Yes. So that was a bit much. But So I was very much focused on her and she wasn't really trained. She kind of knew the basics. She was sort of house trained, but she didn't have any recall or anything. So we worked a little bit on that, but ultimately she slotted into my life really well. She is a little bit lighter than Pippa, so it's easier to transfer her on the bus for example i think once she worked out sort of the london noises yes. and also the underground uh, she's brilliant now she's good as gold oh that's so great <laughs> she's good as goldie yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> so let's switch gears a little bit so your background is in journalism and you came up with this concept to create a magazine please tell me about that and the journey of 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 your magazine. Sure. So the magazine is now called Wonder Dog Magazine. Mm-hmm. So the word play there is of underdogs and wonder dogs. Mm. 
So as the title then implies, it's, it's all about rescue dogs and yes. the transformation that I think us people with these dogs experience and also this obviously the dogs themselves experience once they are rescued. I think first of all the rescue community is very strong. Wherever you walk into any park, if you have a rescue dog and you meet other rescue dog people, you bond, yes, right? Yes, absolutely. And even I think dog people in general tend to bond, but there is something about rescue dogs where you immediately talk about the story, the background, it's like, oh my God, really, that's so horrible. Oh, what, what a wonderful life he or she has now. Yes. You immediately get into a kind of quite emotional conversation yeah. with complete strangers. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to create a magazine for that community. And I think that community is global. Yes. So the magazine is largely London and New York content wise but there are also stories from Johannesburg from Sri Lanka from Berlin everywhere so I wanted to create something to also to strengthen this community although I don't actually think they need strengthening I just need maybe someone to celebrate them so I don't want to be that presumptuous to say I'm strengthening that community but it is for the rescue dog community worldwide and it's I think something that wasn't available in the market most dog magazines are either I think very health focused, a very, you know, the blonde Labrador with a blonde child sitting in a field on the cover sort of thing, yes. very wholesome, or overly stylized, where it's more about the pictures than about the dogs. And I wanted to make something that's beautiful, but ultimately mainly about rescue dogs. And what is the content in, of the magazine? So, because I'm German, I'd like things to be very structured. Yes. <laughs> so, it's got five slightly color-coded uh, sections. Yes. It's, the main one is rescue, the first one. So that's the more serious section where we talk about rescue missions. And then we get into the good life. So there's travel, design, stories, where you feature as well, Thank which I'm very excited so about. I'm honored to be part of this magazine. <laughs> and then the last section is care, where I have an interview with the great Alexander Horowitz. Yes. And the last story in the magazine is coming back to Pippa. It's called How to Be a Guide Human, which is sort of my advice to other people who are looking after older dogs. So that's my my homage to Pippa in the magazine, because even though she wasn't there, she wasn't there when the magazine came out, but she was still such a big part of it. Yeah. And I, I find that, and I love that because with my own brand, my dog, Tiny Tim, who died almost 10 years ago now, he still lives in my brand. He's, he lives on, he's my legacy. And he is my logo. And so every time I wear a t-shirt of his or have a bag with his logo or camo, I think about him. And so they live on and that's what dogs do for many of us. And that's part of the experience. But it hasn't always been this, this journey of creating a magazine hasn't always been that easy as we all know with anything creative. Because I didn't have an art director or an art partner with a magazine I basically sat around on the idea of the magazine for a long time I had this idea that I wanted the magazine out in time for Christmas 2018 and I needed an Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign and so it was all coming to a head in November and then both art directors dropped out but by that time I had already commissioned content for thousands of pounds Mm. I had Mm -hmm. the content coming in Mm. and I had nobody to design the magazine Mm -hmm. and I completely crushed (laughs) Uh, it was as good pretty much as the 2005 post-Bloomberg crash. But in this instance, I felt that it was 100% my own failure. Uh Obviously, at Bloomberg, there were lots of other factors. It was a big company. It still is a big company. But with Wunderdog, essentially, it was my name. I was responsible for paying the bills. I was responsible for getting this thing out the door. Yeah, it went from from bad to worse. Mm -hmm. I actually had, I've been on antidepressants since Bloomberg. And I was sort of trying to slowly get off them. I mean, obviously, very slowly, very responsibly. It's not easy. It's It's not not easy, easy, as I know. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I did it over month and month. And yeah. uh, I think having been off these antidepressants and perhaps also then having this magazine car crash, it all came together. And luckily enough, I took myself to hospital again. We've got a wonderful hospital in London called Homerton, which has an A&E, but also a psychiatric unit. It's then referred to a sort of home care system. There is a, they're actually called a crisis team in, in my area where they send nurses home and make sure that you're still alive and all that. And I spoke to the Samaritans and to other sort of therapists and stuff. And the two lines, I think, that these kind of therapists always use to talk you off a ledge, as it were, is to point out that you've got people in your life or dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and leading on from there, sort of saying, how do you think these people would feel if you would leave this life? Yes. And I thought my friends that could probably live without me. But with Goldie, I had signed a contract. I adopted her. You can't back out of that. And even if she's massively popular and she's got lots of friends, I signed a contract and I decided I couldn't break that contract. Mm. Goldie was there in a very non-intrusive but a very gentle way. She would always sleep on the pillow next to me and she, she was just there. The way she looked at me, she knew something was wrong but she was also a very young dog at the time. She was about one and a half. And it felt a bit like a child that looked at you and didn't know how to comfort a crying mother. It's sort of something I saw my mother cry a lot as well when I was little. And it kind of resonated slightly there when you just don't know what can you do for that person. It felt a bit like Goldie was this overwhelmed child who didn't really know how to make mommy feel better. Right. But we obviously then went for walks. And I think she really also tried to be a good girl. She wasn't at that time, she wasn't destroying anything. She was really just trying to, you know, if she would have been a school child, she would have, I think, during that time, always had A's. Uh Wow, that's beautiful. The other thing that Goldie did was, obviously, my friends, I've been reasonably open with how I felt. So my immediately friends, who are all in my neighborhood, we are a very tight-knit neighborhood, which is unusual for London. Yes. They uh, came and knew I was feeling bad, so they would take Goldie out. And, of course, that was a great way for them to also check in with me. Mm-hmm. So it would be this casual, oh, yeah, I'll just take your dog around mm-hmm. the block. But then they would come back with food. or nice. And it was wonderful because it didn't mean that they had to intrude and kind yeah. of come like, oh, dear, we are so worried. But it was kind of very casual. We just take your dog out. And it, it helped in that way as yeah. well. So that was probably not from Goldie, but it's still sort of revolved around her. Yeah, in a way she's the, she was the gateway. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Beautiful. So, I mean, Pippa certainly put me on a different path and Goldie was really the one who saved me. And I think to a certain degree, she is a little bit more sensitive than Pippa. I think she kind of knew that. And I really, I thank you so much for being so honest about that and to be able to speak openly about it is really brave and appreciated. From there, you and Goldie were out somewhere and what happened next? What happened? So my dog and I walked um, every morning. I was I was up always quite early. So we walked and I had this new outlook on life after Maytree. Uh-huh. I had sort of a sense of I'm going to try this whole self-love thing that I've never tried before. Yes. And I'm going to be positive. And so we walked onto this park, which is close to my house called Shortage Park. And Goldie walked over to this guy who was playing with his dog and Goldie did her usual thing of flopping on her back in front of this dog. And we ended up chatting and 
obviously only chatted about the dogs and then we chatted a bit more and then the next morning I saw him again and then he sort of I think also mentioned that he had a girlfriend and I was a bit okay um wait then he had a girlfriend (laughs) at the time Uh yes but anyway Goldie really whenever we walked onto the park straight away latched onto these two yeah uh his dog is called Tara she's also a rescue dog from Mm -hmm. Spain she is not usually very friendly with other dogs but she always had a lot of time for Goldie because Goldie is so friendly yeah and so we started walking together a lot more and we eventually started making dates for walks and yeah and a very long story short he uh broke up with his girlfriend we got together and that was in may and now it's end of august and when i come back to london from new york we're moving in together oh i love it and our two dogs are getting on like a house on fire it's uh, always play group it's always play time and it's just really oh it's sweet. such a i love it's such a beautiful happy ending to yeah. So much. And again, Goldie was the facilitator. Yeah. She's the social editor. She is the social editor. We <laughs> joke that we might make Tara the anti-social editor. <laughs> she's not usually that friendly, but she's, um, Tara is a, is a great dog. She's very sensitive to my boyfriend's vibes and she's maybe more sensitive than any other dog I know. Mm. And as a Spanish dog, I think she might have been used for hunting. So she's got a lot of energy. She's got a really high prey drive. But ultimately, she really knows what's going on around her. So I think she probably realized Goldie's going to be my sister. We're going to live together. So better be nice to her. That's so great. (laughs) Now, how do we find you uh, in the world of social media online? Okay, so it's usually Wonderdog underscore magazine on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Okay, and can you spell that for us? Wonderdog is W U. And then underdog. Okay. So W-U-N-D-E-R-D-O-G. So yes, on social media, especially on Instagram, I do a lot. Okay. I should be doing a bit more on the other channels, but I'm only one person. No. And Instagram I love Instagram. Is the perfect place. Yes. And the website is wonderdogmagazine.com. Great. And you can buy the magazine or subscribe, and then you get uh, our beautiful tote bag. And if you fancy, you can get the pin and the badge and show that you and your dog belong together. It's a bit like a friendship bracelet. I love it. No, the pin is really lovely. And really, the the logo says it all. And so, again, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. And enjoy your time here in New York. Thank you. After Nina featured me and this podcast in her inaugural issue of Wonder Dog magazine, it was really great to put a face to the person behind it. I was so touched to hear about her dogs and how they played such a role in helping her keep going and to push through her struggles and to come out on the other side. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is a production of As It Should Be, a content studio. It's made with the support of our producer and editor, Jack Summer. Special thanks to our composer and neighbor, Daniel Lampert, for creating the music for the show. You can subscribe to Dog Save the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please leave a review or rating. You can also follow us on social media. You can also check out the Tiny Tim Rescue Fund, my foundation, at johnbartlettny.com. Enjoy a walk with your dog and make it a great day for both of you.